You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. This morning what I want to do is uh, look at um, resolutions or reckonings. And in your Bibles, if you open up to Romans 4, we're going to just look at three uh, verses and, and uh, a bit of the, the context around those verses. But just keep your finger in Romans 4, and uh, we'll spend some time there and then a couple other um, uh, verses in Romans. So resolutions or reckonings. I titled the message 2020 Resolutions or Reckonings. We've already confirmed that change is hard, real hard. But so what we're going to do for the next 30 minutes is try and get through three things. Compare the common or just secular practice of resolutions with the biblical uh, teaching about reckonings. And then uh, we're going to look at three of them from the book of Romans. And in and doing that and with that, going to give you some practical help for 2020 that we could focus on, that we could determine and move forward uh, on in our walk with God. Why is that important? Because we are called to um, consider our conduct and our habits. We're called to adjust where it's appropriate. In 2 Peter 3, it puts it this way, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, since the world and the circumstances that we're in is a temporal place, and because it's subject to God's um, wishes, the question is asked there in 2 Peter 3, what sort of people ought you to be? So for 2020, what sort of people ought we to be individually and even corporately as a church. We might even say that God established New Year's. In in Exodus 12, it says, this month will be to you for the beginning of months. Now, it wasn't January. It wasn't a Roman calendar. Uh, It was a different uh, actual time of year. But it shall be the first month of the year for you. And in that chapter, it's laid out the, the institutes, the Passover, and that annual reflection, that annual celebration of redemption and forgiveness and freedom and protection. In our Roman calendar, we've got January. And January comes from Janus, which was a Roman god. You can see the picture up there. It was the god of doorways and thresholds. And it was depicted by two faces. This older face looking backwards and this younger face looking forward. And so the start of a new year, here we are on January 5th, five days into a year. It's just a natural time to reflect um, on, on any changes that one might wa- want to make. Or, or put into effect. And depending on the poll you read, and there's lots of them, 45 to 60% of people make a resolution. So let's just call it half. Half this room has made some kind of resolution, either formally or just softly, kept it to yourself, but made a resolution. But only one in 10 people, it's actually less than that, that make a resolution, keep it. And so I just threw up, a, we'll throw up a, a, a list, one of the lists, there's a bunch of them, from 2019. What were the top 10 resolutions that people made, and you can see them there. And resolutions are typically just born out of what? Well, they're born out of how have I been lately, or how have I, how have I been up till now, and what might I like to be, or what I think I should be. So we might say things like, man, I got five pounds to lose, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get at that. Um, I used to be in really good physical shape. Well, and I'm getting back at a program and getting back in good, good shape. Or um, maybe I love my wife, but, you know, in 2020, she's really going to feel um, the love. And so whether it's kids or jobs or finances or prayer or church life, we've got lots of reasons to make 2020 resolutions. But about one in 20. So what is that here? Ten people? 
about one in 20 will make a resolution and keep it. So is there something wrong with us? Or maybe it's the choices of resolutions that we're making um, that lead to that failure. Or maybe it's just the whole concept of making resolutions, period, that, that ought uh, not to be. Maybe that's the problem. So this morning, I'm going to suggest to you an alternative, an alternative to resolutions, and that is making reckonings. So we'll just look at what's the comparison. All I did was just look in a dictionary on resolutions, ran that down, and then just, and just thought about reckoning as the Bible talks to it, and, and compare the two. So the first thing we learn about resolutions, it's something that's decided on, where a reckoning is something already decided. A resolution is, I've got the power to hold firmly to a purpose, where a reckoning considers existing power based on a truth. A resolution is a formal, you're just formalizing, you're going to express an opinion. I think this, I want, I think this is the right thing to do. Where a reckoning, I accept a fact. A resolution is this act of fortitude, my strength, my, my determination. Where a reckoning is to decide something, discern something, deem it to be. A resolution is I want to terminate a harmful condition. Stop doing that. Start doing something to overcome that not-so-good thing. Where a reckoning is, I appropriate an available resource. So you could summarize all of that and say a resolution is a statement of the will. I will do something. Where a reckoning is, I believe something. A, rec a resolution is most often a response to the past with a wish. I wish for the future. Where a reckoning is, it's a surety for the present. It's a guarantee. And it speaks to my past. It assures my future. That's what I want to look at this morning and encourage you as we step into 2020. Are there reckonings? And, if, if there are, and, and what effect will a reckoning have in my life? Is there an actual practical implication to, to um, uh, accepting or reckoning something to be true? Resolutions are most often born out of some pain point, right? Something to move away from, whereas a reckoning is an aspirational attraction. It's something I want to move towards. So we're going to look at uh, three of them. We've got three separate uh, Romans passages. Uh, well, we're just going to look at three verses, but we'll look at the passage around them. The first one in Romans 4, uh, verse 3, is um, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And you could look at, we'll just briefly be looking at 3 to 10 and 20 to 25. We're also going to look at Romans 6 and 11. You could read the whole chapter, 1 to 23, but the one verse it will land on. So you also must reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ Jesus. Alive to God in Christ Jesus. And then Romans 8, 18. And uh, really, 11 to 25, we'll, we'll just skirt through that. But uh, verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. All three of those verses, uh, as well as multiple others in the New Testament, in Romans and, and elsewhere in the New Testament, there's just one Greek word that's used that's translated different ways. Uh, but all three of those passages, for sure, in the ESV, which we use uh, here at, at Hope often, uh, and what you see on the screen. The first two passages, actually, the word is consider, and the third is counted, but it's all the same word 
that could be translated reckon. And that's the word I've just chosen to land on is reckon because it's translated that way elsewhere. Calculate might be the meaning of the, of the word uh, because it was a math term or an accounting term that we reckon something, to reason, to conclude, take an inventory, to count. When I go on my online banking and I look at my uh, bank balance, bank account balance, I don't see the cash. I'm not holding the cash. It's just a number on a screen. But I reckon that, I account that to be true. So much so that we run our life off of that. That, that number on a computer screen determines what we buy and what we don't buy. I reckon that to be an actual fact, and it guides my life uh, moving forward. Reckon is perhaps an older English word, accounted, accredited, or the ESV often uses counted or consider, consider something. And so then what we're going to do is just look at three practical implications of those three verses, of those three reckonings as we step into 2020. And there's three S words there that will just sort of hang the message on. Salvation, sanctification, and sight. Romans 4, salvation, grace versus performance. In chapter 6 and 11, sanctification, the sin in my life, the things that I do that offend God or don't do that offend God, um, and the, the issue of, well, practical sanctification, practical holiness, following God. And then chapter 8, sight or my focus, time versus eternity. So the first one, salvation, grace versus performance. And we step into Romans 4, as we do in any passage, and we come at it as, um, as human beings, of course. Um, we, we come at it as creatures of the tangible. We have five senses. That's how we measure and manage life is with our five sentences. That's just, that's the best we got, humanly. Humanly, that's the best we got. But then we have verses like verse 3. I'm a human being with five senses. That's how I manage life. But what does the scripture say? Believe God, believe God, and you are reckoned righteous. Period. Verse 4 and 5, as we walk through the chapter, either you earn your own reward, right? You work, you earn stuff, or, or you, can be, you can be provided God's reward for those that aren't trying to work for it. Uh, verses 6 to 8, well, we see that righteousness is reckoned to your account, just like your bank account. Righteousness can be reckoned to your account, and sin can be reckoned out of your account if the teaching of verses 9 and 10 well, this blessing isn't connected to any human pedigree or human activity or action. It's not even connected to those things that God would say are good things to do. In the context of Romans 4, the example of Romans 4, it's circumcision, but we could just uh, insert in there uh, things that, that we're asked uh, to do in the New Testament church. We could insert things in there like to be baptized, uh, don't get drunk, um, go to church, right? All those things could be inserted in there. And what we read, we learn from Romans 4, that the blessing is not obtained through doing those uh, physical activities or those efforts. Verse 20 to 22 goes on and says, this isn't wishful thinking. Uh, this isn't some trite slogan type Christian prosperity thinking sayings that we see all over social media. This is the stuff of fully convinced reckoning um, that we have there. In verse, um, in verse 3. 20 to 25. And in case you think 
This was really just applicable to Abraham, which is the context of that chapter, to Abraham or the people of that day. It says, think again. It's for all of you who accept the truth of Jesus' sacrifice for sin and his resurrection for our salvation. So the latest Star Wars movie just came out, and if you went to the original Star Wars uh, movie, the Force is explained. And it talks about the Force in that original movie. It's what gives the Jedi his power. It surrounds us, and it penetrates us, and it binds people together. This is all uh, as it describes it. It says it's not the rudimentary matter uh, of our bodies. And having seen it at work by, uh, by Yoda, Luke Skywalker's response is this. I don't believe it. To which Yoda responds, that is why you fail. Now, at Hope Kelowna, and as we approach the Bible, it, it, it's not some magical, mystical thing or, of, of Hollywood at all. But there are some similarities uh, that we could apply when, we're, when we consider grace and uh, faith and the Holy Spirit. That is what gives the Christian, the believer, the follower of Jesus, um, their power. Uh, that is what uh, penetrates or inhabits us. It is what binds us together as a church body. And certainly, it's not whatever I can muster uh, inside uh, this human being or this flesh. And we fail. This is important. We fail because we do not believe. We do not reckon it to be true. Verses like Romans 4 and 3. Christians are often guilty of doing a whole lot of wishful thinking. Right? Citing mantras and supposed promises from the Bible. We're sincere in it, right? But too often in our daily existence, too much of our expression is about, I wish God would do. We might not word it that way, but it's our approach. We can imagine if only God would do something rather than declaring what we know and what we can appropriate. And Romans 4.3 is one of those things that we can declare and appropriate. So two points of application, then we'll move on. First of all is salvation. God saves us when we acknowledge and reckon truth. My sin is large, very large. All of my very best don't cut it. Eternal hell is deserved. Christ's worth and his righteousness are so valuable. And Christ and his glory, accepting the truth of Christ, declares uh, me to be righteous and secures heaven. I don't give him my heart. He gives me a new heart. He gives me his heart. So when we get to passages like Romans 10, 9 and 10, one believes in the heart and is declared righteous and confesses with the mouth, gives testimony um, to those around what they believe. Next week I head to Kansas City and, and there will be another dozen or so uh, adults that will be um, stepping out to be missionaries around the world. And we send missionaries to places where less than 2% of the population is uh, evangelical believer, a follower of, of Jesus. And while our focus is not North America, we're now entertaining sending missionaries to places of Canada. This week on a national uh, radio program, I was listening to a respected Canadian national uh, TV uh, and, and radio uh, journalist. Here's what was said. That if you say people are going to hell 
because they're not following Jesus. That is hate speech. That was said on our airwaves. Folks, believing this in Canada is now hate speech. That reminded me of the, the message a couple months ago from Eldon, right? Standing firm in a culturally hostile world. Jesus said there's going to be people that will stand in that day and say, hey, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me. I don't know you. Listen to me carefully. The single most important thing that you can settle for 2020 is not whether you know Jesus and not whether you warm up to the ideals of Jesus. Rather, is the testimony of your life that Jesus is Lord and that his resurrection from the dead is proof that his death satisfied all the righteous claims um, of your sins. Believe God, Romans 4 and 3, and be reckoned righteous. Amen? Secondly, though, what about you're saved? Oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I, I believe that. I've appropriated that truth. I'm now living as a Christ one. But do I sometimes put my confidence back in the flesh? Am I accomplishing things? Is it grace or is it performance? And personally, I'm performance-driven. That's how I'm wired. And so I struggle with that every day. When Meldon calls and asks if, if I might um, uh, speak this morning, well, it's easy for me to, oh, well, I'll just, yeah, let's perform. Let's do something, right? I've got a message or I've got thoughts in my head that are fresh and put a message together and let's do that. The question isn't whether I should pitch in and help. That's not the question. There's a need and I can make myself available. The question is whether I'm going to depend on his grace or on my supposed own ability. Grace is God at work. Performance is myself at work. And so for 2020, is it going to be grace or is it going to be performance? We're hardwired for performance. Do right, don't do wrong, manufacture it, measure it, right? Manage it. We're prone to be the Thomases of John, in John 20. Oh, unless I see it, right? I could, you know, measure it with my five senses. I, I'm not going to believe. But Romans 4, 3 says, reckon it, consider it, count it to be true. Abraham believed, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And it goes on and says, and it shall be also reckoned to us who trust in the work of Christ. So the second one, sanctification, sin in my life. Here's another, hear me very, very clearly. With what I'm about to sort of unpack a little bit or explore with you, I am not, I am not suggesting sinless perfection. Nothing of the sort. We all live just as Paul did, right? Oh, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I want to do, I, I don't do, right? Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? This side of heaven, I'm going to sin. I'm sinning, right? I'm not God, period. But that is not a license to just willfully give in and concede defeat. We don't sin with reckless abandon and say, oh, well, I just claim the blood of Jesus, as noted in the Galatians, and the Galatians asked the question, should we go on sinning because of the act of grace of God in our lives? God forbid. Right? The same God who saved me, who does indeed cover all of my sin, this is the same God that says, be holy. Right? I've got an accountability before him. So we're called to reckon, to believe, to appropriate a truth and, um, and so the truth of Romans 8, 
uh, sorry, Romans 6 and 11. I have to reckon that I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do I believe Romans 6? Do I believe that? Not I'm going to hold my breath and stop sinning. Do I believe Romans 6? Do I believe that when I'm faced with the conscious choice of an action in a moment, that I can avoid sinning at that, at that moment in that circumstance? I've long thought that every believer should actually regularly read Romans 6, just as a regular um, feed. It's like a, a, an analogy I probably heard or read years ago, but think about a dog when it's a puppy and you're training it, and so you want it to heal. You want it to walk by your side. So you put a leash on it. And you just, right, as you go, you just say, heal, heal, heal. And you, right, you pull it and you keep it close to you. So much so that you can eventually take the leash off and go for a walk. And it wants to walk. Hey, heal, heal. And it just comes right in line. Well, in our natural state, we're born, we're born dogs. Um, and we've got a leash on us, a chain. It's a choker chain. And so our own flesh, our natural selves, and the devil and the world around us is calling out, heal, heal, right? Do this. Don't do that. Live this way. Heal. And then we come to Christ and we, 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 um, we accept Romans 4 and 3, and the chain is taken off. The leash is gone. It's gone. Free. Free to run, just like that dog, that dumb dog doesn't know it can just run free. What are you telling me to heal for? I'm gone. And so we're free from having to sin, according to Romans 6. But this flesh and the devil and the world around me says, heal. And too often, like a dumb dog, I heal and I succumb to it. Sometimes I just settle for partial training, whereas God is calling me to persevere in trials and even persecution. He's calling me to persevere in inner godliness. In the face of that discouraging, indwelling sin, um, uh, we're, we're supposed to stick with the battle and go with it. First Timothy 4, he calls us to train ourselves to be godly, exercise it, discipline ourselves. And we do this by killing sin. I read one author who said uh, this, God doesn't call us to slap our sin around a little or to injure it. Put it to death. And he provides the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, to do that. But so often I just stop short. I train up a bit and then, no, I'm just going to heal again because this one is really tough. This one is, is, is really got a grip and I'm just, I'm not going to reckon it to be dead. Dead. In fact, sometimes it's something I quite enjoy. And so I'm just going to go at it. But God calls me to persevere and to fight. And some die, sometimes, uh, think about right now, we're in the middle of winter and the deciduous leaves are off the trees. And you think about those, they started to die in the fall and then the wind came and plucked them off. But some of them still hang on. And there they are. And they're going to wait till the spring and new life comes in and pushes them out of there. And so in my own life, as we step into 2020, yeah, some of them just need to be plucked away. I will set no evil thing before my eyes, whatever it might be. I just need to pluck that, that, that dead leaf, that, that sinful thing away. But some of them just hang on. They're deep-rooted. And so then it needs, takes new life to come in. And Romans 6 is exactly that kind of new life. Romans 6, 11, read the chapter. But I reckon, I have uh, uh, literally 
had victory by reckoning that to be true in a moment. And so I encourage you, Romans 6, 11, read run to 23. And in that moment, reckoning, I am dead to that. I am dead to that. And I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus, to the righteousness that he provides. As the song goes, when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you, Jesus. You're my hope and stay. And so the third one, uh, sight. And this is Romans 8, uh, 18. And so why is this one? What's our focus for 2020? And how could this have a practical implication as we step into the next 361 days of the year? Um, why is focusing on eternity versus time helpful? And we'll start again by just looking at the context of the verse. This chapter ends with what we all love to quote and just feel uh, warm and excited about. It says, um, knowing all these things, what do we say? If God's for us, who can be against us? We're more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of God and so on. But ahead of this verse, uh, verse 18, we learn that our natural self is in essence dead, right? We're separated from God. But, but that as believers, we've got spiritual life because of his righteousness. We learn that we're to put to death uh, the deeds of our bodies, to not live according to our fleshly needs. Does that sound familiar? We read Romans 4 and 3, 6 and 11. Really, in Romans 8, he's covering off those two same points um, again. Believe and receive righteousness. Reckon yourselves dead to sin and live practical sanctification. But then the passage goes on and talks about the sonship um, that we have with God, that he's our Abba Father. We're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. And that we're going to share things like suffering, but also share in uh, his glory. And then comes this reckoning verse this reckoning verse. I reckon, I accept as factual truth, certain truth, that the sufferings of time are not worthy to, be, to compare with the glory to come. In fact, creation all around us is groaning, waiting for that uh, day, for glory to be revealed in that way. In that passage, there's three benefits of just reckoning that. Three benefits, three practical benefits that you will see in your life if you just reckon that to be true. That the sufferings of this present time is nothing to be compared with the glory to come. Number one, you're going to persevere better. Having trouble with resolutions? Reckon Romans 8 and 18. And uh, you will persevere better. Secondly, you're going to find yourselves within the will of God. And you're going to find yourselves with Holy Spirit prayer support. Read the passage. And then lastly, you're going to find that all things work together for good if we reckon Romans 8, 18. So if I focus on time, then lots of things matter. Like whether or not you affirm me, whether or not my wife acts the way I want her to act, whether or not uh, I'm respected at work, whether or not I get a vacation of a lifetime, right? whether or not I'm healthy, whether or not I'm financially secure, whether or not church goes the way I want it to go. The endless creature comforts become important when I'm focused on time. I'm prone to the things that you see up on the screen. I, 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 I want fortune, right? I want possessions or money or something. Uh, I want fame. I want to be liked and be popular and, and be known and noticed. Um, I want power, right? I want to be able to control things and rule things and dominate or influence things. I want pleasure. Oh, I want things that feel good. So much so that my imaginations become desires 
become necessities. And then, then even as a believer, I can, I, can, I can invoke scripture and twist it and say, oh, that justifies um, that pleasure. But if I'm focused on eternity, then this is what happens. I seek first the kingdom of God. I win souls, not arguments. I'm purified by my conduct. You can look at 1 John 3 and 2 Peter 3. Focusing on eternity will have an impact on my practical sanctification before God. I persevere regardless of circumstances. I don't need creature comforts uh, to recharge my batteries. I increase my time reading the Bible and decrease my time reading the news. I care more about seeing people become citizens of heaven and I'm less anxious about the, the government elections. And you can just write down 2 Corinthians um, 4, 16 to, to 18. might be a good passage just to um, help um, draw your thoughts that way. So three things to reckon uh, this January 2020. Three things to reckon. Number one, his grace is more powerful than your performance. Number two, you're dead to sin. Number three, the glory of eternity is going to be greater value than the goods of time. As the song and the old bumper sticker goes, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Change, action comes out of truth. That's why Jesus said, and the truth shall set you free, John 8, 32. Truth will set you free. What, was, what fell in the garden can be given new life. The, the truth, we, we take truth, right, the rational, stimulates our emotions, and then that's followed by that which is volitional, or our wills, they'll follow in behind. If you're still sold on wanting to make resolutions, then perhaps this blogger, um, here's four recommendations. In fact, there's a great verse in, in, um, in 1 Thessalonians um, about resolving uh, things uh, to be there. But here's what uh, she would suggest. Uh, Bethany McElrath would suggest, hey, if you're going to make New Year's resolutions and you want them to be biblical, perhaps these four things, you could take those with you. What I would suggest is keep in your mind and close to your heart things like the language of revelation, which is the accountability of overcoming. But... In Philippians, it's he who has begun a good work in you. He will bring it to completion. Uh, as Paul told us later on in Philippians, let go of the past. Forget what's behind. Strain forward to what lies ahead. And then things like the John 13 idea of daily or regular washing. And speaking of regular washing, just as, as uh, we'll close in prayer here, but uh, we've got the communion table this morning or the Lord's Supper as, as it's referred to. And and in the passage in 1 Corinthians, it says, let a man examine himself. And I'm thinking about 2020 and resolutions and reckonings in 2020. Let a man examine himself. Let a person examine himself. We can apply the same thinking here. God's not inviting us to make a resolution so that we can participate in this meal. He's, he's inviting us to reckon truth. I examine myself in the light of truth. I examine myself as to whether I am partaking in this as an act of faith or as an act of religiosity. I reckon that his body was broken and his blood was shed for me. I reckon that if I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I am saved and I am free to partake in this meal. If I stand on truth like 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4.